doing it. Yeah. Speculating and people were going to buy the stock depending on what Britain Johnson no. says in the no, 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 no. <laughs> I am not going to get in trouble. Get the new guy in trouble? I am, no, 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 no. I am not going to get in trouble with the SEC because of you, Ariel <laughs> <laughs> It needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect. You nailed it. You can't bend physics. What you can do is write better saucer. And you're doing MPLS changes or BDP changes. May, may God be with you, right? I, I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a nested six-node sand. Oh, uh, guys. People you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to the table when they absolutely do. Everybody should. Anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff... It just hasn't earned it. Okay, I lied. I have one more question. On demand. Correct. Welcome to a special edition GigaCast, episode 31 for Sunday, September 1st, live to tape from the GigaCast headquarters. I'm Britton Johnson. And I am Tim Davis from the VMware McKinney, Texas home office. Filling in for an absent Tony Reeves because I'm a jerk and I scheduled this without him. So, I'm sure he's fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> got more important things this, to do. Than I, this, I guess I've I've been having so many problems trying to schedule episodes lately, and <laughs> I we had we never got one in before VMworld, and so I really wanted to get one in after VMworld, and so like I sent an email to you and Cody Tim after on Friday, and you guys are both just like, oh, how about Sunday? And I'm like, all right, we'll we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it live on Sunday. Something about the Sunday night recording that you have, it usually works because we're usually at the house trying to, you know, wind down and get ready. I mean, tomorrow's a, a holiday and all that, but it, it worked right. out. Yeah. So, you know, I, my apologies to my illustrious co-host, Mr. Reeves, but, uh, you know, he deserves a good weekend off. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I will, and my hope, my eventual plan is now that I'm with the mothership is I can just build these into my schedule during the week and do one or two a month if and oh man this is work now and find people that are willing to talk to me for like an hour you know on like a friday you know because nobody yeah, doesn't nobody does any work on friday anyways <laughs> you, so, you're getting paid to make this show now man well, <laughs> it's, it, it's not part of my my deliverables yet i gotta talk to my boss about that <laughs> but yeah we do have another sp- super special guest a guy i've been trying to get on for a long time mr daniel Paluzzi. how are you sir Good evening, gentlemen. Did I just How screw you up your doing? last name? I didn't. Uh, no, you were. Uh, you said that perfectly. All right, awesome. You pronounced it. I have perfectly. never known, and I've never tried because of that. Because I would torture it horribly. <laughs> and it's and it's Paluzek, right? Yeah, Paluzek. All right. Yes. Not, so the Z is not a silent S. <laughs> no, um, you know, in Polish, it's actually Pluszek. Ah. Uh, but somehow, um, okay. you know, through my family lineage, uh, it was uh, it was changed. So, awesome. um, through a bunch yeah. of ignorant Americans who can't speak right, and all of a sudden, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome back from VMworld, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. It um, was. It was it's great. We're sorry you weren't there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, part of part of the gig of starting new. I mean, yeah, what what brand new employee at VMware shows up at VMworld within their first couple of weeks? Tim, jerk. <laughs> I lucked out hard <laughs> my first year. I mean, hard. I no. lucked out. I and I. I, I I, I, I told when I was when I was in negotiations, I mentioned that I might like to go, and they said it might be a possibility, but I didn't push it after that. And I I probably could have. But at the same time, like, you know, our, our, that, that, that week is our like first week of school for the kids. 
And yeah. so it's just a really horrible week to have it. And so I'm just like, well, so really family wise, I couldn't do it anyways, but. Well, and it's going to be a year or not a year. It's going to be a week later next year back in San Francisco. Yeah. So that might be nice cool. I mean, and helpful too. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that I can do whatever I got to do to get there next year. So it's a lot of time man. getting hooked up with the labs folks and stuff like that and see if you can find your job in there or yeah. sign up for duty. Yeah. Well. Throw out sessions, man. I mean, that's kind of what I do every year is throw uh, ideas out there, concepts that I think that are valuable for our customers and partners on that and then see what sticks, right? And ask past presenters too. I think that that's the biggest thing. Like I have a huge failure, failure rate on my session submissions. I think I submitted eight this year, right? Wow. And I got two, right? Which I'm very fortunate to even have two, right? So, oh, I submitted um, five, and every one of those was denied. Luckily, I got in and got them done with code because um, they were awesome about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, sessions with customers, those are winners. And that was my two sessions. Was yes, there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that's, I think that that's the important thing is that if you have something that's valuable to talk to, um, the audience about with the customer. I think that that definitely resonates. So yeah, that, that, and that's the thing I've heard from other people in the past too, is they're like, if you have, have a really good, you, you know, customer use case, and then the customer is willing to present with you, you know, you're almost golden at that point, but yeah. And it works for some customers because that's their ticket to BM world as well. So, right. you know, if you find the right ones and customers, if you're out there listening and you're interested in going to BM world and possibly okay with talking on stage, Get with one of your account teams. Get with somebody that you want to talk about. And it, the two of you together, that's probably the best bet for both of you to get there. Right. Well, and that's, yep. and that's just a huge win for hopefully everybody. Um, oh, those are always the best when yeah. it's real world customer. Like, this is a problem we had and this is how we solved it. Or, you know, this is a clever way we found to work around X, Y, or Z. Those mm-hmm. are always the best kind of sessions. Right. I, mean, I remember sitting in one a couple of years ago. And it was a joint session with, with, you know, somebody from VMware and somebody from Boeing. And I remember this guy talking about their general vSphere environment at Boeing. And he's just like, yeah, we have something like some ridiculous number, like 500 vCenter servers. (laughs) And I'm like, like, what? Like, (laughs) like it was, it may have not have been that high, but it was a high number. Yeah. That's impressive. I'm like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and if, like, if that's how many vCenters they have, like, imagine how much other infrastructure is behind all that. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> all right. That's a lot. So, okay, we have, like, a whole huge list of stuff to get through. We're not going to get through all of this. I want to pick some highlights. Um, and I, I'm going to pick your guys' brains about Project Pacific specifically because... Like, I was slightly confused during some of these announcements of stuff and reading things beforehand even a little bit. And so if if I'm confused, I know some customers might be as well. So let's try to do the best we can um, with our collective somewhat knowledge and see if we can explain this stuff in in a way that makes sense to people. So Project Pacific, uh, which which one of you guys wants to give a quick definition of this? Tim? I, I, can, I can break it down really easily. Right. Um, Kubernetes clusters now become the exact same construct inside of ESXi as a VM. Simple. 
When you want to go out and you want to deploy a Kubernetes cluster, you will go into vCenter server, you will right click on the cluster or what have you, and you will say deploy new you know, Kubernetes cluster. Um, one of the big organizational units is not just going to be like folders and stuff like that. It's going to be namespaces. Just like in Kubernetes, when you have namespaces in an organizational unit, you will now have namespaces in as, or as an organizational unit inside of vSphere. Um, so you'll be able to have VMs, Kubernetes clusters, and all kinds of things running within there. Um, so just kind of think of the fact that we're now kind of obfuscating. So you don't have to like build the VM and build Kubernetes on it. You're literally just deploying your Kubernetes cluster right inside of vSphere. Yeah, I kind of um, correlated to how we started off with just the core hypervisor, extended it for overlaid networking using NSX, now having software-defined storage with vSAN. Now we're going to have native Kubernetes experience inside of the hypervisor that scales out, provides that seamless experience through vCenter, right? And then imagine all the possibilities from an API perspective. I mean, this is all still in flux, right? It's a project, right? <laughs> so take it for what it is. Is, um, you know, but what I've seen so far, I think it's going to be it's going to be dramatic change to how we deliver operations, deliver services. Right. And I think it just extends that very efficient platform, which is our so, hypervisor. So is the big deal, the big change of this is instead of having to deploy some specific other infrastructure to run Kubernetes, you can just turn it on or deploy it as part of like just like a regular virtual machine. Is that, yep. that's pretty yeah. much it? Okay. hundred percent. So as I usual, mean, I was overthinking things completely. <laughs> so just think from, from like futures and stuff like that and the possibilities like Daniel was talking about, like imagine the first time you turned on a VM and how cool that was, but then go one step further and think of the first time you actually watched a VM be motion to somewhere else in terms of high availability and what that added. Well, Having a Kubernetes cluster is generally naturally high availability. If you blow a container array, whatever, it'll just spin another one up. Now, imagine if that Kubernetes cluster was living in a cluster construct of physical ESXi hosts so that your cluster could be motion or containers could be wherever. Um, it, it just adds a whole new level of availability to the Kubernetes construct that I think just has a possibility of being crazy. And so, so the, the quick, oh, quickly, Daniel, I, I, the thing that I was initially confused about is like the way I was reading stuff, it sounded for a moment like, you know, ESXi, the hypervisor was going to run on top of Kubernetes and that was going to open up all kinds of weird stuff. Like I've heard talked about, you know, them doing hot upgrades of ESXi and stuff like that in the past. Thought, well, maybe that's how they're going to do this. But now it's kind of not that way is how I'm understanding it is that it's actually yeah. Kubernetes is sort of just merged in with ESXi kind of like, you know, other other components like NSX and right. vSAN, right? Yeah. The, the, the smallest way to break it down is essentially a Kubernetes cluster and a VM will be exactly the same in terms of ESXi management. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, can either, you can either right click and deploy a VM or you can right click and deploy a cluster or whatever you decide to do. Hundred percent. Cool. All right. That that, that I'm, I'm, that, that's, that is how that is extremely helpful for me because I know you know as I start to have more customer conversations going forward, I'm going to get those weird questions like, "What is this thing?" You know, and the, and and the other confusing piece of it for me was they were talking about how it's going to be the control plane of vSphere, and you know that that made it sound right. like you know vCenter was going to be a container, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, the cool thing is, like, it, if, if this thing ends up going the way that they want it to and everything turns out right, I mean, you'll be essentially be able to use your kubectl to administer 
your entire environment. You want to spin up a cluster. You want to spin up a VM. Great. Use the kubectl APIs to do that. Yeah. And the other thing I want to kind of call out, going back to Tim's comment on opportunities here, is that I'm, I imagine a world where we're going to have traditional workloads, commercial off-the-shelf v, uh, work, uh, applications, applications I'm going to develop in-house, right? And this is a common platform that any organization can adopt and use, right? So mm-hmm. it gives that, I know it's overplayed, that best of both worlds uh, kind of scenario where even somebody that is just learning out, you know, how cloud-native applications work, this gives them an easy on-ramp for that, right? So we'll continue to run virtual machines, continue to run NSX, adopt a a software-defined data center architecture, right? There's all these end benefits, right? So um, the other thing too is I noticed um, we launched the Academy too, the Kubernetes Academy last week. Yeah, and that's I think that's amazing that, um, you know, talking about giving back to the community, right? free training, right? We all talk about and we all have to, as professionals, train ourselves. And I think that it's amazing to see that. And that's something I'm going to do too, uh, myself and go through, uh, just because, uh, you know, that's part of my progression. But I think we should all challenge each other on going through that, making sure that we spread that awareness, because I'm sure VMware as a whole um, invests a lot of money in that too. Absolutely right. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody that starts at VMware and probably still, and even afterwards, they always talk about when you're onboarding, you know, drinking from the fire hose. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm in that mode right now, but, you know, I just had a horrible analogy pop into my head of like, I, the way I feel right now is I can't get enough fire hoses in my mouth because, like, I want to... <laughs> I want to like, in, I want to take in as much knowledge as I possibly can from as many different sources as possible. And I'm just like, I want to learn deep on NSXT. I want to learn, you know, all the stuff about Vrealize Network Insight. I, I, you know, I need to learn more about HCX. I need to learn more about Cloud yeah. Foundation. I mean, I need to learn all of this stuff. And I want to have, you know, I, I, it's like, it's hard for me to just pick one. You know, there's simply not enough hours in the day, right? Not only for the training that you're required to take, but then the training that you think you should take, and then the ones that you just kind of think would be cool. Yeah. There's just there's simply not enough time in the day for all that. Yeah, it, it's 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 driving me crazy right now because I'm just like I, I, every day there's like oh look at this thing oh look at this thing and I'm just like yep. I, I'm a dog chasing its tail right now because I don't know which one to, to latch on to. Who's shiny? Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's my my current status is just I can't get enough and you know and it, it reminds me of like when I was like twelve years old I tried reading two Hardy Boys books at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and the the story started merging for me and I'm like, don't do that <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> you'll get there don't worry I don't know. stress embrace it right yeah. you know that's the one thing is that I. It's a it's a journey, right? It's not a race, right? We're all uh, I'm learning every day, right? I mean, we all have to stay on top of it. So it's I so just go go with the flow. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, so Daniel, we, we didn't really get a, an introductory, you know, tidbit on you. So what you know, I know you're part of the cloud something or other team. So what is it exactly that you're in, the area you're in? What do you do? And you know. Give us the 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 four one one on what you and your team do. Yeah, so uh, fun fact: Tim and I are actually part of the same business unit organization. So we all roll up 
into uh, the cloud provider software business unit or okay. um, CPSBU. And so I cover the partner side while Tim is more on the direct side. Is that correct, Tim? Would you say? Kind of, sort of. My team focuses on the anything but vSphere stuff. Yeah, so okay. We're, we're kind of in a really weird section where we do anything but vSphere. So everything public cloud, everything SaaS. Um, that, that's kind of where we where we sit. But yeah, so, we we end up rolling up to the same guy at the end. Yeah, we have um, on my side. I cover what we call the VMware Cloud Provider Program, or VCPP, which is our uh, VMware's go-to-market strategy on supporting our cloud providers uh, that consume um, our platform in a subscription offering. Now of, that used to be VCAN or. VSPP. VSPP. That's the one I was trying to think of. When when I was a partner way, way, way back, we were VSPP at that point. Yeah. And it's going to change again. Who doesn't know that nomenclature? Oh yeah, yeah, always. The, the name will change again in six months. So, just, um, yeah. so it's like the just weather. Deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but in, in essence, what I do is I support our cloud providers on helping them uh, develop and productized cloud services. This may be software they consume um, through us and they put in their data centers, or they uh, consume uh, VMware Cloud on AWS or some of our native services, and then they provide it through a managed service. On yeah. that. So my, my really my goal and what I do on a day-to-day basis is help my um, providers on um, providing VMware Cloud services to their end customers. So from that end of things, do you see, you know, this merging of Kubernetes into the hypervisor being a big thing for provider, your cloud provider customers? 120, uh, 110%. And the reason is, is that um, today there some of my cloud providers are even offering um, cloud services, cloud native services through just a native Kubernetes experience or PKS, right? So I see this as another avenue that says, hey, we're going to offer this as a service, provide managed services on that. A lot of the conversations that my providers are having is they're trying to dispel a lot of the confusion or challenges to their end customers, help them with this journey from, you know, maybe getting out of the data center business to move to this cloud provider or provided managed services on that. So, and it comes with all sets of maturities, all different types of use cases, right? So I see this as a huge win for all of us because, it's another service, a valuable service that they can offer that's built into our core platform, right? And if we can provide more functionality, more value in that core platform, it's it's another win. Cool. Okay, so I, I feel like that's a good overview of the, the Project Pacific announcement. I, you know, we could go way deep on that, but I know, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Kubernetes to have an educated enough discussion about any more of it, so... <laughs> Well, we'll come back to that probably next year after I've See, caught up on everything else. We need like Scott Lowe or Timmy Carr. Or, well, know, that's why I was really hoping Cody Diarkland could make it, but <laughs> but yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's there. So w- w- the other thing that was talked about was this VMware Tanzu. Now, does that fall in your area, Tim? Mission control will kind of sort of be something we play around with. Um, so, well, well, first of all, what is this VMware Tanzu thing? Is this just another sort of beta project or is this an actual product people can buy today? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yes and no. I mean, there's a bunch of different things that are involved with this. Um, the big thing that comes out that like my team is interested in is Tanzu mission control. And overall, this is just more operations and management for Kubernetes okay. and other things. Um, like with Tanzu mission control. Um, and the, the reason I talk about that a lot is because I know the most about that than any other thing in there with that. Essentially think about managing all of your Kubernetes clusters, no matter where it's from. Um, this goes along with our whole multi-cloud strategy. And of course, everybody loves single panes of glass, even though they technically don't exist. Well, right. that's essentially what this is for management of Kubernetes. Whether you're using GKE, whether you're using AKS, EKS, um, you're doing it on-prem, you've got PKS, you've got PKS running in AWS. It doesn't matter. If you want to home roll your own Kubernetes cluster on your laptop, imagine managing that from one place. Um, you go into a dashboard and it'll tell you where all of your Kubernetes clusters are running. It tells you how they're running. Um, you want to go through and you want to manage those a little bit. It gives you kind of that one place to go to look at all of your clusters, no matter where they are. Um, and that's one thing that I've seen working with customers that are that are working multi-cloud, even though that's multi-cloud isn't necessarily their strategy they find themselves in multi-cloud because a lot of customers are these days. One cloud doesn't necessarily fit all. Um, and especially in larger companies that have multiple disparate business units, um, we've seen some that may be using GKE and some that are using AKS. Um, well, there's somebody up the chain that kind of wants to keep an eye on all that, even though each team is kind of managing their own thing. And with Mission Control, you can go in there and you can have one seamless look at the clusters no matter where they are. Um, and really, AKS is not uh, Azure. They're not going to give you a tool to look at an EKS cluster. They're just not going to do it. Um, Amazon's not going to give you one to look at an Azure cluster. Um, so we're kind of working to abstract that up a layer like everything else these days in cloud management and, and kind of show you across the board what all that looks like. So it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is it sort of a akin to vRealize operations except for specifically Kubernetes stuff? Yeah, mission control is specific to Kubernetes within Tanzu. Yeah. All right. Now, of course, there is a ton of different things in there, um, and there's a nice little landing page uh, for Tanzu with more information than you could possibly want. Um, and I'm going to double check that. Oh, it is in fact not slash Tanzu. Um, if you go to VMware.com, and is it products or is it cloud? Maybe not. Sorry, I'm on a completely different page and I'm sitting here and I'm talking and blah, blah, blah. It's around. We have a big website with a lot of stuff on it right now and I can't find it. I don't want to BS anymore. <laughs> it is on the website. There is a huge landing page that went out with so many different resources on what it is, why it is, how to use it, what's coming out and stuff like that. So there's definitely a lot to look at. So is it kind of like a manager of managers that could over have an overarching view of many different domains, right? It could be right. going back to the Project Pacific. It could be a v, vCenter environment with native Kubernetes inside of that. Maybe mm -hmm. a PKS environment. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around it too a little it's bit. It's so. definitely a manager of managers. And like I said, I really hate the single pane of glass thing, but that's exactly what we were going for with this. Um, it's essentially a single point to manage all of your Kubernetes clusters, regardless of where it is. Like it doesn't matter if you even home rolled it somewhere. If you have a cluster pointed at this to manage it and you're good. Yeah. Right on. 
All right. Well, more, 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 more things that I need to look into so that I can have, you know, these educated conversations about it. Cause like I, I watched, you know, the presentations on it and I'm just, you know, I come away scratching my head a little bit cause I'm just, I'm not, a, I'm not in the development crowd. So I don't know the DevOps <laughs> lingo and how this thing plugs into different things. And it's just, it's one of these, it's, you know, and, and I've seen this kind of feedback from customers too, where they like, they watch or they attend VM world and they see all these things that are announced and and also, right. I know a lot of people that, that I've known in the past are always just like, yeah, that stuff is cool, but I'll never use it, you know. Right. And so it's, and and that's and I think that's part of the changing structure of, you know, why we where VMware has to like go as a company is it's you know gone from server infrastructure to now more development infrastructure, and it's kind of this whole package of services yes. that they have to offer now. So that's kind of the way that things have been going to start with, though. I mean, really, as an infrastructure guy going way back, I've always known that the apps are what truly run the business. Now, of course, the apps can't run the business unless there's infrastructure delivered to do that. But I mean, you know, look at way back when you were just a regular like systems administrator or something, and you figured out how much they were paying the SQL devs. It was probably about twice as much as they were paying you as a systems administrator. Um, there's always been more money in it. And that's been where people have been more focused on. Um, and VMware as an infrastructure company, we have cared about the apps. But really, delivering apps is probably the biggest thing we can do. So instead of just delivering the infrastructure and then figuring out how to run apps on top of it, we're actually you know cutting to the chase and delivering the infrastructure directly for the apps like we are designing and building it with the apps in mind so that we just you know get straight there um so i, I definitely think we're moving off in the best direction for the way that things have been for quite some time yeah. um do you guys do either of you guys know anything about cloud health hybrid yes <laughs> <laughs> i know a few things <laughs> All right. Cloud Health Hybrid is <clears throat> going to be all the great things that you love about Cloud Health, uh, but more focused on vSphere. Um, when we bought Cloud Health literally about a year ago this time, because we announced it uh, at VMworld last year, yeah, um, they did. They were designed and built for the public cloud. Period. They had a data center tab. Um, they still have it today. Um, and it was pretty much good enough to say, hey, this is what your on-prem infrastructure looks like. Let's help you get it to the cloud. Um, <clears throat> but of course, once we brought them in, you can't do that. Because um, even though we're not just a vSphere company anymore, we are still the vSphere company. Yeah. Um, we needed to have really good ways of costing that and bringing everything together. Um, so we've kind of been working together with you know the Cloud Health team and then the CMBU team. Um, now, the the current costing platform is going to be vRealize Operations for on-prem. Um, they've got a nice new little engine under the hood there that's a lot better than the VRB engine was back then. And I can say that because I was a VRB customer didn't care for it. <laughs> um, but with that, Cl um, Cloud Health Hybrid is going to work together and come through and bring that hybrid cloud costing methodology into the cloud health platform so that whether you're on-prem in VMC, some other, you know, VCPP program like Daniel's customers um, or out in an actual public cloud, you can kind of bring all of that costing together so that you have your cost and your governance and everything in one spot. That, it's just, it's just so much stuff, Tim. 
Uh, how is anybody supposed to keep up on all this stuff? That's a great question that we work really closely with the cloud health team. So I actually knew the answer to that one really well. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right. I'm going to leave that one there just for now. Uh, and I'm going to skip down on my list a bit. Um, I was the, the thing, one of the things I was most excited about it, um, selfishly as an NSXSE is a lot of the NSXT 2.5 announcements and specifically the stuff around NSX intelligence. Um, I saw I, I, I saw a, de- a small, quick demo on it on the the VXPert NSX pre-show demo, and I mean it, it's it's incredible stuff. Um, it's it, it's it reminded me a lot of sort of the application rule manager functions in V, but yep. a lot more smart. <laughs> so yeah, like ARM on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I just want to point out the greatest thing of the whole thing was watching my man Marcos up on stage doing that because he is the best and he got on stage and nailed it. That's yeah, he, is he did man. a great job. Yeah, and, and, and 2.5 is really foundational for us, especially in the cloud provider side, because it continues to scale out uh, the amount of um, objects we can create in a multi tenant environment. We also moved from uh, um, uh, uh, stateful services down to the T1 level, right? So we use the T0 as a true provider um, instance, while the T1s become um, tenant facing on that. And uh, my, our multi tenant platform, vCloud Director, is going to be built on NSXT 2.5. So wow. that's kind of linchpin that we're using for our integration and also providing self service ability. How long have people been asking you guys for that? It's been a while. <laughs> <In tea. laughs> yep. And and like b- building on some of that the two point five stuff with NSXT, um, yeah, I I think it might have been a bullet point in in one of the t- one of the announcements, but there's this thing that I actually had a customer asking about before VMworld because they've heard rumors of it is the agentless capability in Microsoft Azure, and I, I have yet to see any real good explanations of how they're doing this. Do you know anything about it, Tim? No, <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been focusing on a lot of things. Um, and with this last cycle coming up to VMworld, it's been stuff that is not involved with that. Um, since they are trying to go straight up into Azure that way, that's something I'm going to have to look at. Um, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about how they're doing NSX cloud and Azure right now. Cause it's, I mean, it, it's, it's one of these things of like, yeah, today they can do, you know, enforcement on Azure VMs, but you have to load an agent on the Azure machine, right. Azure workload directly. Yeah. And so now they're well, hooking it through some other thing. Agentless. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure what they're doing. I know before, I mean, essentially the agent that you were installing was simply like an open virtual switch right. that was running on every single one of those. That's how they were doing that control point. Um, I have no idea what mechanism they're using otherwise to be able to do that. Uh, maybe they're manipulating security groups somehow. I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to look into it. Yeah. And I've got a, it's on my list to look into for, 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 for a customer, but just one of these it, it, every time that they keep adding stuff into this thing it's just like yeah like okay cl- clearly by the time nsxt gets to 3.0 it's going to be 10 times bigger than v ever was massive 
and it's, it's funny a paradigm a couple of years shift. back you know listening oh sorry daniel to sorry. say a couple of years back when somebody told you that t was going to be bigger than v and we all went no ever it's not going to happen it's never going to happen and now we're all like what's v yeah oh, i remember that <laughs> sorry daniel i didn't mean to run over you no that was my my bad um no and it, what uh fascinates me about it is it is a paradigm shift v is, was laser focused and awesome on virtual machine workloads and connecting to a v center instance t has taken it to this totally different level where we look at bare metal workloads cloud uh, native workloads how we integrate inside of pks right mm-hmm. it's not um a one-to-one pairing to v center anymore right and t can be deployed without it really and at the end of the day we could care less about that um it is a core function of the value on that but it's not the only thing and i think that that's what's yeah. fascinating for me is that the areas of possibility that that continues to grow uh, for nsxt and that's definitely one of the things i think they did right when they started making it and we all like i mean i remember going to my first t training years back and i was like this is not uh, I don't yeah. know what's happening here, but I don't know. It's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But I just the fact that it was separated from vCenter um, at the time made it more difficult, but that was way, 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 way back. Um, but now it makes way more sense because they were essentially executing on a strategy long before anybody really knew what they were doing. Um, it didn't seem right at the time, but now it all makes sense. And it's like, that was brilliant. It all, it all makes sense to the former NSBU guy who's been through all of it for a couple of years. Yeah, sure. Man, I'll tell you what, it's just it, seeing that product come from <laughs> what it was the first time I went to training where I was laughing at them um, to what it is now. I just, they, they've executed, they've made it what it is. They've made good on all their promises and it's, it's come together. It is a solid product. They really are truly trying to make it the, you know, cross environment cross application cross everything networking yeah. platform well like I, I, you know I've, I've been as i've been switching fire hoses you know I've, i i have been taking or trying to take the uh the on-demand install configure manage class for nsxt yeah and like i'm going through this and i'm just like i'm trying to co- to to make connections between how stuff was in v and this and it's just nope. like oh hey you i can't, can't i can't do that i have to start over <laughs> I, I was I was going to T training the first time, and I was having a conversation with Marcos, who I mean at the time was just a you know like senior staff SE or something like that. He was just you know he had been around for a while, not the chief technologist that he is today. And he was just like, okay, just take everything you know about V, all of it. You have a VCIX, take all that, throw it in the trash can, and do not bring it with you. You can't. <laughs> it, that was the best advice. That's I no help. <laughs> It, because um, well, it, I mean, it kind of was because everybody else in the class was sitting there trying to ask questions that would equate T to V in their heads, and he's like, "You can't do it. The architecture is different. The layout's different. The technology's different. You can't equate it. You have to start over." And it's really hard, right. but if you if you just kind of stop trying to equate it to V and just learn it as a new thing that you've never heard of before, it's a lot easier to uptake. Yeah, and that's and I, after trying the on-demand class. I'm just like I have to get myself into a space in like an like an in-person class where I can focus on it and not yeah. be bugged by people and just like. And that's one of the beauties this. of VMware is that you can just schedule yourself and go for it. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I can get it on there, but well, if you can find the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like I, uh, I've been trying. I was trying to get into one of the uh, 
NSXT live fire classes. And yeah. I, uh, I tried to, I got the invitation for one in Boston in October. And then by, by the time I got to go to register, it was full. Oh, so I'm like, Come on. I'm like does the invitation mean so nothing? So, <laughs> but I'm on the wait list. So hopefully I can sneak in, but we'll see. That'll be good. I've heard nothing but good things about those. I, and yeah, I, same yeah, here. I, I, and I and I started emailing some of the guys that I met from the last one I was at, and like, you know, the the Lu- Luca Camarda who did the one that I was at last time. He uh, he's not doing the Boston one, but he's doing one over in Tokyo, Japan. Nice. Um, this this week actually. You're like, ooh, I want to go to that one. Well, <laughs> and that's the funny thing is I looked it up, and I'm like, it would actually be cheaper to the company for me to fly to Japan yeah. and stay mm-hmm. in you know in Tokyo. Then it would be for me to fly to Boston and take the class in Boston. So speaking of VMworld, I actually talked to a lot of customers that are on the East Coast that it's cheaper for them to fly and go to the Barcelona show than it is to go to the the San Francisco show. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But 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 again, I'm just like, well, yeah, I don't I don't think the optics of sending the new guy to Tokyo for training would be all that great. So. <laughs> Hey, all they can do is tell you no, man. Put put those financials on paper and say these are the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then then I've got to get the approval from from my wife to you know be be on a thirteen hour flight away from everybody for a week. That's you know? true. So it adds a few days on the front and the back yeah. end. So well, like, yeah. I'd, as much as I would love to go to Japan, you know, I, I would have to be there right now if I was going to be there. But ooh, yeah, that's yeah. a little quick. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe some other time, but so I'm 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 looking now. I'm looking for them to do their their they haven't booked any more in the U.S. out till February or June, you know, March. I'm gonna be basically looking at springtime right. now. But yeah, you know, it's always something. So okay, so NS, NSX and the things that they're adding in is just you know more to come on that as I go through more of the more of the trainings and figure some of the stuff out. You know, and and be able to like my my take on it is every 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 time every little teeny bit of information that I get in, I have to in my head and in my own way, be able to regurgitate that back into customer language, right? So that I can t- t- you know bring these people up to speed on how it's actually going to work because they're going to have to deal with it day to day. Um, so that's that's the other challenge of being an SE. So. The the other thing that came in this this year was this Avi Networks plugin for for NSX in general because the load balancing capabilities of like NSX V were always just kind of so so you know it, it worked but you know the times that I tried to set it up for for customers and stuff when I was working on some of these projects it was just it was real herky jerky um, and then it's very I, basic yeah and I saw a demo for this Avi Networks thing, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, these guys, it's amazing what they can do. That was a smart buy. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I haven't dug deep into it, but just on some of the, you know, the glossy demos I've seen off the top, dude, that is insanity. Well, and, and one of the last projects I was on, you know, they were a big F5 shop, and, you know, they, like, basically, like, you know, we have all these iRules, because F5 runs on these things called iRules, yeah. and, you know, th- with Avi being able to basically ingest those rules from a competing product and spit it out into something that works in their system, that right there, you know, is a big enough deal that, to make make it work. 
that's going to change the game. And I mean, back when I was in NSXSE and I had customers asking, can I replace my F5s with your load balancers? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, the rule of thumb is generally like 70 to 80% of your load balancing is straight up. You have your VIP and you've got a pool. That's it. Right. Now, maybe you have some of those things that are doing some SSL offload and stuff like that. NSX load balancer can handle that no problem. Right. The only thing that really caused the problem is when you're trying to get into fancy eye rules. And I mean, I had customers that were doing some ludicrous things with eye rules. Um, and I mean, there's a couple of big ones where not any VM in the entire environment never is not sitting behind a VIP. Even if it's a single VM, it has a VIP. So wow. they're basically load balancing everything. Um, and seeing that Avi can come through and just pull that stuff in, that's game changing. F5 should be legitimately terrified at that. Danny, were you going to say something? No, I, I just think it just brings more value to our customers. And what I saw at the surface, I went through a internal uh, demo of it. It was it was fascinating just on how they actually abstract away the control plane and the ability to deploy, operationalize multiple virtual instances of uh, of Avi networks, right, and scale that out. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's uh, where I had challenges was. The fundamental functions of, you know, NSX edge load balancing was not sufficient, right? And so I think that that closes that gap and we'll see, I think, more adoption of NSX just based off of uh, the integration of Avi networks. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I understand it. It's going to be in- inter- integrated into the NSX family. Well, and I think it's it's fun, too, how, you know, they've got these, you know, more more dashboards, of course, because that's what we all need is more dashboards. But but the one in particular they like to highlight in their demos is the thing that actually shows where the network problem is along the path. And, yeah. And because, you know, you know, being go, going from a server guy to a virtual networking guy, you know, yeah, the networking team is always the first one to get the finger pointed at when there's a problem. And, of course. And for, for them yeah, now to work. include this in there, like, that's a huge win automatically to, to get customers to switch to a virtual networking product because they're you know networking people like everybody else is always looking for ways to defend their work and and you know like i I remember at one point um uh i was i I was working for a company and they had nimble storage for their for their storage and they had something similar to that you know in their intelligent cloud thing that would you know you could open up a virtual machine and see where the bottleneck was and, you know, basically point, point to a thing to say, no, it's not that it's not the store, just this. And so that's awesome. any kind of, you know, way that, you know, we, we can enable customers and people to like really pinpoint problems and stop the internal fighting between teams is a, is just a general win. I can't count how many hours of sev one calls I've been on where it's literally just the first three hours of any sev one is every team pointing and yelling at each other oh, yeah. <laughs> until, until somebody either steps in and says, no, it's this person's problem or somebody can actually pull some documentation up that shows it's not their problem. Right. It's always fighting and it's such a waste of time. So anything to circumvent that yeah. is good. Well, and especially when they, when they get down to the 2 AM part of the call where everybody's tired yeah. and now, it, now, now the personal insult insults start to come out and, and it's just like, yeah. And that, I think that's um, 
I was going to make a joke that it's always DNS, right? And we got to expose the DNS haiku, right? It's because it's always DNS right. that, that breaks everything. But, you know, not to get on a tangent of architectural principles, but, you know, I follow the KISS principle, right? Keep it simple. Right. Stupid, right? You know, and uh, unless there is a warranted technical or business requirement for a specific architecture, right? Why do, why overly complicate things, right? And so I always try to strive that with, uh, and stress that with customers, right? So, um, but I digress. I think that um, it's going to give us more visibility. And speaking of troubleshooting, shoot, I mean, I've used Virialized Network Insight on just bringing that up and starting to find problems immediately on issues that we found from a where it's traversing some point or a latency issue or even using Virialized Operations. Uh, it's it's amazing what uh, some of the products can do just on eval keys. And that just, it really positions the product to management just right off of that. I'm like, let's just bring it up. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I have a whole bunch of customers right now that my, the, the SE prior to me started network insight in their environments. And I have to come back now and follow up on those and, <laughs> and then show everybody like, Hey, this is all the stuff happening in your network. Yeah. And, and you know, so, if you want to keep seeing it, let's well, talk. right. And then, you know, and that, that, that gives us the natural bridge to this is what NSX can do in your environment, of course. And so it's, you know, it's, that's one thing I love about a lot of the companies that we've been acquiring over the past few years. Um, as much as I'm like, when I was in SE, I was very averse to doing POCs because um, it just takes forever and from the sales side of it, it's awful. Um, but from a customer side, you need to know the value that you're going to get from buying something. You want to know what your money is going to. And like with Network Insight alone, I mean, you know, three days after you install the thing, there's so much data there that you you see the value immediately. Right. Cloud Health. You do a Cloud Health POC and you're, you're going to end up finding more money savings than the product's going to cost you. So, you know, that pretty much pays for itself after a little while there. Um, it's, it's really cool seeing all of the things that we have, where just simply looking at it in your environment after a week, um, will immediately show its value. So you can kind of tell we're, we're making a lot of very good choices when it comes to the products that we're working on and the products that we're acquiring and stuff like that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Tim, but I thought somebody, I don't, I know, I know next to nothing about cloud health, but mm -hmm. the thing I've heard is the way that it is sold is based on how much money it saves you. No, no. It is based on the amount of money that you spend in the public cloud. Um, they essentially okay. take a percentage chunk. Like, so if you spend 500 grand a month in AWS, they're going to take uh, the numbers like one to three or something like that. It depends on whatever you work out with, you know, and how much you have. Um, but yeah, it, it's traditionally a percentage of your actual spend. But the way that it ends up working out is the amount of money that they can save you um, on like right sizing and reserved instance conversion and stuff like that ends up being more than you ended up paying for it. So that, that's it. Okay. Know, it's worth. Okay. Yeah. It, it'll end up washing out and paying for itself. Yeah. It, 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 that's kind of how I heard it was that it, you know, based on like you, you kind of basically, yeah, it sort of right. pays for itself. And it's, yeah, it's kind of one of these like easy button, duh, just do it. On a sales. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's exactly why you know they like doing POCs because they like they they can very very clearly show you within you know a week or two 
this is how much money you're going to save, period. We're asking you for this much for the product. This is what it's going to save you. Um, it, it, it's a no brainer um, that for anybody to try it out because if you're not doing reserved instances and stuff like that today, you're spending too much money. Yeah. I'll have, I'll have to get, get somebody from the cloud health side on here to talk to, talk to me more about it. Cause I know, I know it's, it's in my wheel behind the scenes. I'll see who I can snag for you. Yeah. All right. Um, app defense and carbon black. Um, so app defense was a, was a really highlighted thing last year, but now it's, you know, kind of like new and improved with the addition of carbon black, assuming that that purchase goes through. So it already had carbon black. Oh, interesting. Just trying to own them now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was not aware of that. And carbon black with app defense is actually only one of the small things that we bought them for their endpoint management and stuff, or their endpoint security is one of the bigger pieces. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, but that's all it was. Is that more akin to like the workspace one air watch kind of yep. crowd though? Exactly. Right. Okay. So when, when I first heard about the carbon black thing, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. They're just going to stop paying for what we were paying for, for, for app defense. And then I heard new, new, the EUC thing is actually the bigger play for them. So interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we were paying them from the beginning. Um, carbon black has one of the best whitelist databases out there, um, for, you know, what, what is threatening, you know, certain process key signatures and stuff like that, that are rogue. Um, so we were paying them a licensing fee to use this just as if a lot of other companies are. Um, so now that we bought them, we just don't have to pay them anymore. <laughs> well, that's, and that's almost kind of the same deal with, with, with the pivotal acquisition, right? Where there already was a huge partnership between pivotal and VMware. Yeah. So now just go ahead and buy it. Why not? <laughs> well, and it clearly kind of uh, really provides the industry with a clear path of direction, right? Rather than having these partnerships, we have now a, a complete and comprehensive solution. I, you know, and I think that carbon black, I, like Tim said, uh, the fascinating thing uh, going back to that is our endpoint management and especially workspace one. I'm always still enamored and I'm not an EUC guy by any means, but what the capabilities are with workspace one right. and you know, bringing in some of the security and threat management capabilities inside of a very, very good uh, endpoint uh, solution, I think is uh, it's going to just show the value of that, especially across any type of device, right? So, and we're all SEs, we all use different platforms. Uh, so Workspace ONE provides that same experience across all of it, but now we're going to add more security functionality. And I think that that's extremely important in this day and age. I, I want to come back to Workspace ONE, but I want to make one quick quick point. So as I was uh, coming back from a customer meeting in Chicago, I listened to the annual or the, the, quarter, the annual, the quarterly um, quarterly results the call. Quarterly results call. call with, yeah, yeah. Their, their earnings call. Thank you. Um, with Pat and, and Zane and, and all the press gaggle that they talked to. And there was one guy who asked a question to Pat 
of you know why buy carbon black because clearly they're not they weren't doing very well as a, as a company on their own they're not number one in their sector you know wh- why 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 carbon black why would you buy them and pat the guy is such a professional i mean i was just blown away by his answer to this so if, if you're go go back and listen to everybody can download and listen to that call it was a really good call to listen to um, just, just, just for a way to answer questions, it's, it's an education, just listening to Pat, you know, talk to these people, but he, his comeback was, well, when we bought AirWatch, AirWatch was the same thing. They weren't number one. They weren't the best product, but within a year or two of acquiring them, they were the number one, you know, mobile device, device management platform and their industry standard. now. Yeah. And it's, it's, everybody uses it now. And so, like, you know, it's just, just this natural thing of, you know, VMware takes these things that are good, you know, they got good bones and yep. brings them in and just makes them better. And I, I heard him give that answer and it was much more succinct and much better than the way I just did. So go listen to Pat. <laughs> but I was just, I was floored at how, and I, I know he's good because I've interviewed him, but I was floored at how well he handled that question because that was a really hard question. Um. The, the second thing of going back to workspace one the the probably the the thing that i've been the most impressed with since joining vmware is workspace one i am blown away by how much i can do like i bought an ipad pro and mm-hmm. i'm like able to do like almost all of my trainings on it everything except the old ones that are still flash based for some strange reason <laughs> um and like you know the the install configure manage on demand class for the from the from from the training you know areas like all of this stuff i can do you know i can do ev- practically everything just from my tablet like i don't even really need my my macbook but don't tell tell to the, tell the company that um, <laughs> <laughs> so but it's but workspace one is one of these things of like you know i know from like the customer a- areas that i come from nobody really even knows that, that this is a thing and in, in right. a lot of a lot of places like unless you're a major enterprise company that, that has 50,000 employees you may never yeah. even know that workspace one exists but it's, it's well, and I, I was an EUC guy before and i actually deployed it um once back before it was air uh, workspace one as a solution it was just you know identity manager the product right um, that's kind of what runs it all under the hood um and the way i deployed it it was fine it did a couple of things and it was all well and good but i was like this is not as good as anybody says it is i don't understand then i started my first day at vmware and they said oh go to this website or open this app on your phone and you're good to go and the first time that i like used touch id on my iphone to log into workspace one and everything was there i was like oh okay that's what they meant i just did it wrong yeah I mean, obviously, we like to drink our own Kool-Aid. The company runs on all of our own products. But seriously, our workforce can't exist in the current fashion that it does without Workspace One. It just can't. Um, It is the most convenient thing on the face of the planet. And the way that we run it, the way we have it configured, it is phenomenal. I can't imagine having to do work at any other company without it. And I think it's probably the thing that gets talked about the least, at least from what I'm hearing. I guess it depends on where you are. The I suppose. Talks yeah. about it every day, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I don't. I don't sure. see, I don't see a lot of VMUG talk as it talks about it. You know, no. And externally, it just it doesn't get a lot of play. I mean, VDI seems to still be the hot button, even though it, like our EUC team, VDI is like the smallest thing they do these days. 
um, you know, user management, uh, workspace management and stuff like that. That's, that's the big deal with us. And it definitely does not get as much play as it should, but man, I, I can't count how many meetings I've had with customers where it's been like a joint meeting and it's like, Oh, somebody mentions workspace one. And I just like pull up my phone and nowadays, you know, I can log into it in my face and just go, Oh yeah, here's all my apps. They all work. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I, I got, I came back uh, last week from VMworld and I had a new laptop um, and um, built, you know, it's standard Mac OS, right? Log in. Um, our image internally has workspace one embedded, mm-hmm. put in my corporate credentials, set up everything, logged in everything. I get that same experience, synchronize OneDrive. I'm ready to go. I mean, it's, I don't have anything stored on, you know, the device anymore. It's all within our yeah. cloud solutions on that. I have access to it from my phone, iPad, wherever. It doesn't really matter. This is just a computing device. I had that experience at kickoff. Um, so I, I was at kickoff when I was up for a new laptop and they literally drop shifted overnight from Palo Alto to the hotel. Um, how, Hey, Ariel's here. Yay. He probably is an hour off and thought that it was eight o'clock and not seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, like you said, I, I logged into workspace one on the laptop and it just came right up and everything was good to go. And this was sitting right there in the hotel. Uh, it was the most seamless device management experience I've ever had. It was crazy. Yeah. I'm, I, I am. I mean, I, I, you know, it's one of these things like, you know, hopefully people will continue to talk more about it because as, as I've been using it, um, I've been just consistently impressed with, yeah. with how much I'm able to get done on other devices and, and just how it works in general. Um, we're waiting with bated breath for Ariel to unmute himself. I was going to say, we were talking about him and then he went muted. There he goes. Hey buddy. I can I can start talking anytime, but I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is I saw uh, Britain with a San Francisco background. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> he, he decided to fly out there, and he's just standing out there right now doing this live show. You know, simulating the experience. <laughs> so, Ariel, we we've just been kind of covering you know key announcements and things at VMworld and talking about various topics and whatnot. So, um, we may or may not have started about an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to blame on the hurricane. <laughs> that's okay. If, okay. if that's what you need to tell yourself, then that's all right. We believe you. Are, we love are, you anyways. You're, you're not in the Carolinas or anywhere over there, though. You're you're Orlando, right? No? Orlando. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's going to get some tropical storm winds, he, probably. He's, he's going to so. get some tropical weather, you yeah. bet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, Ariel, on your first You're going to have some good surf for a few days. <laughs> All I know is uh, Kyle Ruddy in Tampa offered me a place to stay and Edgar Sanchez nice. in Alabama. So I got BCDR. <laughs> <laughs> so Ariel. Just go stay on Kyle's couch no matter what. Just go for it. Ariel, uh, com- coming out of VMworld, g- give me your kind of overview of what, how you felt it was and wh- wh- what was the biggest thing you he- you felt was talked about at VMworld this year. I mean... I felt we gave our attendees a lot more meat, technically speaking, uh, than let, let's say last year's. I feel like we definitely came out, you know, we had promised things in previous VM worlds and it, it definitely felt that we have, we had been delivering on everything we promised. Um, <clears throat> multi-cloud is for sure is a reality now. It's not something that people are thinking about. It's really, you know, 
but here's the tools to make it happen. And, you know, it's not only multi-cloud, we even can help in your Kubernetes journey, which is that you, some companies may have, may not have realized how important Kubernetes was becoming. Well, they know now. Um, as far as what people were talking about, I think everybody got really um, serious about Kubernetes really fast. That That's what I felt everybody was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard, and I heard somebody... Theme. Yeah, and I, and I heard somebody talking about how, like, you know, what two three years ago, you know, this Kubernetes thing wasn't really even a thing, and now everybody's talking about it like, you know, it's been here for ten years. But you know, it's one of these things. hiring for people with Kubernetes for five years experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was back when people thought Docker Swarm was still going to be around later. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. I, I'm. You know, and like, for, first of all, like, how, when it, I've seen the thing of K8s, so how do, how do you actually pronounce it? Is it pronounced K8s or is it pronounced Kates? No, it's, 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 I, I have no idea. You, you know why it's <laughs> Kubernetes, right? It's, it's when you, when you had the I12N, that just meant that there was 12 letters there. <laughs> right. Eight just, just means that there's a bunch of, letters in there you, if you're talking you should still say kubernetes it makes no sense for it to say k8 okay right but yeah that just means there's eight letters between the k and the s <laughs> I, the first time i that's heard that really story, all it I'm means like, i'm like that's literally it just means it's k eight letters and then s that's what it means that's exactly what it means it's simply shorthand if you're saying it you just say Kubernetes, but oh because wow people can't, can't, people can't be bothered to type a bunch of letters it's K8S because there's eight letters between K and S. Uh, the first time I heard that, I'm like, there has to be a more technical understanding than that. No, that's not it. Heard it from Joe Beta himself. That's what it means. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe Beta or Beta, every once in a while, he puts out a tweet saying this is the correct pronunciation of Kubernetes. Yeah. And you can just look for it. Yeah. <laughs> Things I learned from Tim Davis on a Sunday night. You know? I, I know that. I I didn't believe it at first. I really didn't. But it sure enough, it's just sheer laziness. <laughs> we need an abbreviation, and so yeah. we're going to substitute letters for a number. <laughs> I mean, type Kubernetes three thousand in a tweet, and you, you'll start using it too. Well, that's the thing is like as I started typing it in, into stuff, it's just like like okay, this is really hard to type in. I gotta I gotta like create an, one of those automatic shortcuts in iOS. So I've actually done that on my iOS. It replaces K8S with Kubernetes. <laughs> well, and I saw somebody like clued me into like doing that for VMware so that it doesn't doesn't type so it types the letters in the proper case every single time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because, of course, if you try to type it in like Microsoft Word, it'll always try to change it so that it's big V, little M. Yep. yep. It's weird. And, and then marketing <laughs> will get down, down, you know, I'll get on you about it. I really wish that Twitter account was still active, but it hasn't been active for like three years or so. The big V, big M, little W. I used to tag them every time somebody screwed it up and they just stopped doing stuff. <laughs> okay. Um the other kind of big deal, at least from my perspective, um, was some of the stuff with VMware HCX and like the you know especially the HCX Enterprise that is now out there, um, and and this whole cross cloud vMotion stuff. I mean, this is mind blowing stuff. I don't know how they're doing any of this stuff. Um, 
Is, is this something that the cloud providers unit, Daniel, is, is really seeing a lot of conversation about? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think the what's fascinating about the new version of HCX is also the um, really the uh, cross hypervisor uh, migration capability. So one of the new functions of HCX is I can take a workload from KVM um, and migrate it over to a vSphere platform uh, through the migration solution that on that. So, so I think that what's it's always difficult to migrate workloads uh, from one platform to another. Uh, HCX really takes a lot of that legwork out of it. Um, and it, it can get extremely intricate on that uh, from you know, the different migration strategies. But uh, what's what's great about it is the amount of performance you can get, uh, the migration options that meet any different type of use case, and then post migration steps. Like I need to upgrade hardware version, VMware tools, run this post script and whatnot, connect to this network. And your source environment doesn't have to be NSX either. That's the other part of it. So right, it right. supports a multitude of um, environments. So, um, what I'm seeing on my side is we're seeing a lot more cloud providers use this as a solution, one of their solutions for what I would consider bulk migration. So migrating, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of virtual machines to a cloud provider data center mm -hmm. and then managing that. So and one of the other operations in powerful functions is that hybridity, right? That uh, layer two uh, encrypted tunnel that we can provide. And that's how we can do that cross-site vMotion or a bulk migration um, through that tunnel. Ariel, are any of your TAM customers using HCX or not? See, none of mine, but I do have, you know, you remember Matt Crane, for example, or, or Jorge Torres? Uh, who are both TAMs, mm -hmm. uh, Matt, they, they have, especially when it comes to around using VMware on AWS, that's where HCX has yep. literally like shown. And every other TAM now knows that HCX is not, is not just, you know, a thing, but it's also very reliable because we've seen other, other TAM customers tell us about how effective it has been in the, in the process of migrating things. And it is included uh, when you procure a VMC SCDC. Yeah. So, that's, so it's it, it's a no brainer, really. Um, how do I onboard very quickly? I'm going to use something that's embedded in the offering, right, and uh, quickly on ramp to the VMC environment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've talked to customers that said they would even pay extra for VMC to make HCX included. So the fact that we're just bundling it in and throwing it in there. Um, that's huge because absolutely it makes onboarding and everything go way faster. Oh, we, we lost, lost Ariel. We lost Ariel. Ariel. Dang it. Oh. Oh, hopefully they'll come back. But... Pesky hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, just continuing on HCX, I mean, it's it's one of the things like I'm, I'm, I've got a bunch of, you know, customers that I'm just getting introduced to at this point and I know that at some point, you know, they're going to be at least one of them I know for sure right now is probably going to start using HCX at some point. So I'm looking from a customer right. standpoint, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, it in, you know, actual use. Get that off the screen. There no, you go. No, back up, back nobody up, nobody wants there to you. see that. 
Yeah, nobody the wants Patriots. to see the Patriots shirt, whatever. <laughs> so. You know, uh, have you have you guys talked about NSX intelligence yet? Uh, brief, we we, 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 we we skimmed over. We skimmed over. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, so I did go to Rainbow the Batteries session on it, and what I was most surprised was not that we announced it and we released NSX intelligence. But that it's just what we announced for VMworld is just the first phase of like four or five phases. Yep. That's amazing. And, you know, obviously, for all the things that we were showing in there, that NSX intelligence appliance is kind of beefy. You know, even, I right. think the small version came at 64 gigs. No. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, my looks are not going to be able to hold that. Talk about it within the, uh, you know, the NDA bubble. Um, but obviously, some other people that are listening to this aren't inside the same bubble. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, and if this is not in the right train, I'll cut it out if I have to. Um, but I understood from the VExpert briefing that there's coming functionality that will kind of be akin to IPS, IDS services as part of this as well. Does that sound correct? Maybe. You know what? I'm going to send out a tweet with the pictures I took from a public-facing Rainbow of session. All right. <laughs> and that way, none of us get in trouble, right? But no, but I took a lot of pictures in that session uh, because he went over a lot, a lot. I, I, you know, as far as IDS, IPS, I mean, sure, but it, that was not the focus of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just one thing that I thought of, like, if they're going to start building in those kinds of security services included with it, I mean, it's just another bonus value add it, you know, once, once it gets there. Let me see if I can find you some, some this good is, this is weird I'm in a spot where we're talking about NSBU stuff, and I didn't go to any of those sessions. I have no idea. I, I can't answer any of those questions. It's just a weird spot for me to be in now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I haven't been able to get back into the the video catalog and, and right. see which ones of those are out there for consumption yet because I want to get through most of them if I can. Um, I was really upset that none of the code sessions were live streamed or broadcasted. There was just some, I, I guess, contract issues or something like that. So mm. usually they live stream straight to YouTube as they're happening. Um, but it looks like they got the audio and slides or at least audio in the presentation laptop recorded. We'll just have to see how that ends up. Yeah. I mean, not, not, not being there this year, I, I was frustrated by not how much is not live streamed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least they sent you like all the, you know, the internal webinars and all that for the stuff. Um, but then again, that also went out to customers, I believe as well. So they can all live stream the keynotes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the, the keynote with Sanjay and the two celebrities was brilliant. It was hilarious. If anybody didn't well, watch that, go back and check that out because that, is that one public? Because I haven't seen that anywhere either. Yes, I, I, I had I, heard that would not be published. Oh, really? It's not. Yeah. Oh man, that's unfortunate. Sorry, everybody. That that was just awesome. <laughs> Remember, she had this uh, wardrobe malfunction, and everybody was able to see that part. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. There was no better one. Oh, <laughs> God, it was so funny. Uh, th- those two guests were great. So yeah. It was, it was no, Steve, uh, Steve Young, uh, the 49ers quarterback, and who else? 
It um, was um, Lindsay Vaughn, the ah, that's right, yeah, skier. Vaughn, yeah, skier. Lindsay Vaughn, yeah. Uh, Captain Skier. So I just sent you a, a tweet with those images that I took as, as Ray was presenting them. And I really want you to check. One of them shows stage one and then stage two, stage three, stage four. And he's, he explained how this release or, or whatever he was explaining in this, in this session was only stage one. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, stage two. And it's like, take a look at that. Normally- I was all surprised for them to release actual like, Hey, you know, this is until it goes GA, we won't really tell you, but the small appliance is going to be 16 BCPU, 64 gig of memory, two terabytes of storage. And that's meant for POCs and labs. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> My nooks are not big enough. Well, I'm, I'm glad I have an actual server to run this stuff then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, we, we, don't, we don't mess around with our appliance sizes sometimes, especially in the NSBU. NSX Manager and the, the, you know, the Bernie appliances, those things were never known for being uh, dainty or small. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a stage. The IPS, IDS stuff must be coming with the N- stage two NSX enhanced security. I'm guessing. I, I would imagine if you heard IPS IDS and that was in that's, there that's somewhere. That's not what anybody said. Posted. Nobody actually said that. That's how I interpreted it as a clarification. Oh, gotcha. Um, gotcha. So you're basically putting you're out stuff out there. Wildly. I'm not putting. I'm, you're, I'm, spe- I'm, yeah. you're speculating and people are going to buy the stock depending on what Britton Johnson no, says. In the no, 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 no. <laughs> I am not going to get in trouble. Get the new guy in trouble? I, no, 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 no. I am not going to get in trouble with the SEC because of you, Ariel Sanchez. <laughs> Uh-uh, not no, happening we'll today. Disclaimer, he doesn't know anything. He's speculating wildly. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's happening. It's okay. I am, well, for full disclosure, I am a shareholder, because, but that's even before I joined the company, I, I owned a couple of shares. <laughs> but just for funsies, I don't actually try to make money on it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Oh. Please consult an actual stock professional, whatever the disclaimer is. Nobody's inside trading here. Yeah. Come on. I mean, even in the NSX intelligence session, it was, you know, this is what we're going to announce, but it may change my GA. You know, right, all, right. all the demo sessions started with that disclaimer that you should not tie any purchases tied to what you're seeing here until you actually. Yeah. That's one of the beauties of roadmaps is like I, back when I was in SE, I constantly had people saying, what's coming out? What's coming out? And I mean, like, if you're internal, you literally go through training on how not to sell on roadmap because it's actually illegal to sell on roadmap. Um, but seriously, you don't. In, uh, roadmaps can change from day to day to day. PMs could wake up one morning and realize that they can't stand this product feature anymore and that it's awful, and they'll just throw it in the trash can. Um, it could be three years worth of work for the devs, and they literally just throw it in the trash can and move on. You never know what's going to come out until it actually launches. And then once it actually launches, nobody's saying that they're not just going to take it away six months later either, because we've done that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, you can always speculate wildly, but until it actually launches and somebody can download it, there is no feature to be had. There's, there's no amount of, you know, promising anybody can make you that's valid. So, you know, it's weird. Uh, it, it being working at a vendor for the first time, if nobody ever has, it, it's an eye opening experience and it will answer a lot of the questions you had as a customer when you're like, Hey, when is this thing coming out? And they're like, 
I can't really talk about it or we think it's coming out next week, but then it never does. Yeah. You, you understand why when you have your first like meeting with PMs. <laughs> well, and you don't want to set false expectations. I think Absolutely. that's the biggest thing is, yeah. you know, we have no, as SEs or TAMs, right. You know, we have no control over, you know, product releases. We can influence, right. Yeah. But like, Tim said, until it hits general availability and you see it on the downloads page, subject to change. I think we should have a disclaimer that says, disclaimer, subject to change up here, right? So it's, that's just part of it, right? And I've seen it change. I've seen it variate from time to time. I mean, and anytime I talk about any type of future, say, hey, normal disclaimer, right? You know, this is what I know. And, you know, I can't really give you specific. We never talk about dates, but, um, you know, that's it is it's completely out of our control. So, well, and I, and I remember it's real sketchy. Yeah, it's real I remember sketchy there was something I remember there was something in NSXV that eventually got deprecated that I actually did. You deployed or used for a, and one of the initial deployments I did of it. And then like a couple of a couple of versions later, I went to go look at this thing again. I'm like, where did that go? <laughs> Was it data security? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay, so that's the one. Like every time I ever talk, like I just did about like roadmaps and PMs and stuff like that, yep. I always talk about how features can come out and then all of a sudden disappear. It's data security yep. and NSXV that a lot of people were using to strip out, you know, social security numbers and stuff like that. Yep. And then all of a sudden they just went bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was this really useful thing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not there anymore. <laughs> okay. I, I never understood why that was removed. That was well above my pay grade. I just know that it it was a useful feature. I knew customers that were using it, or at least interested in it. So I just I, I didn't ask questions, which is probably better. <laughs> and I think that that's for in terms of network virtualization and NSX in general as a product. That's one of the things that I always thought is really cool about what it does in your in a customer environment is it just oh, yeah. makes things disappear from a user perspective that they don't need access to you know mm-hmm. like especially if you're using the built-in you know uh security based on identity features like you know if you build policies with you know active right. directory membership as your base you know you can make entire sections of your data center disappear from a user perspective just because they're not in the right group and, and that kind of that's one of the tiny features of NSX that I've just talked about for a long time. Is like it's it's to me it, as a, as a former infrastructure guy, it's like one of the most powerful things you can just you know demonstrate to somebody yeah, to right. say like you know we don't have to know what an IP address they're coming from, we don't have to know what network they're coming from. They could be coming from anywhere. If somebody gets a hold of this person's credentials, we can just give them that user access to these set of VMs that they actually need to get to and nothing else. And it's, you know, the only person who I've ever seen talk about it at any length is, is the Taz, which I guess all the Taz's are now called Tams, uh, Eric Hinderer, who he did a whole presentation on identity based security, you know, attached to VDI. And I want to see that from him one of these days. Um, yeah, he's awesome. But he's a buddy. You, you, you can have him on the podcast. He's super cool. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be in Cleveland <laughs> in this month. So I'm gonna meet him. But his his kids make me look like crap every day. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm like every I, day uh, his kids show me up. 
they are awesome like his kid like goes down and like rocks out on the drums and completely like tears it up and then the next day he'll be out on the golf course yeah. you know six under par or whatever ball, and like yeah kicking my ass all over the place <laughs> drives me nuts but man he is awesome and his, his his kids are great yeah so shout out to eric Bye. shout out to eric <laughs> All right, we I'm we're we're gonna probably go long here, but um, Ariel, is there anything else that stuck out with VMworld that we're not you know maybe because we haven't we haven't we haven't talked about any of the V realized stuff. No, but but before we move on from networking, I was able to attend the FutureNet conference on the last day. Oh right, and because of BXFair and the sex which is one of the few treats that we get, right? Uh, but one of the things I tried to do, and I had done this last last year as well, is I tried to live tweet the whole thing, yeah. just because I really wanted to know what was going on when I wasn't, wasn't able to attend. So I just sent you guys uh, a tweet with the whole thread there. So it's, I think I break it maybe once, but it should be there. Basically everything that went on there. And one of the few things that was... This was more, people liked this feature in it more than last year's. Last year's was mostly featuring what companies were doing, um, you know, companies like LinkedIn and Facebook and all these things, and, and, you know, maybe not as relatable. But this feature in it, I feel, was very relatable. Uh, in some of the things that were checked in there is how exactly do you manage these, these organizations that are moving on to software-defined networking, right? And um, <clears throat> I believe those are, are recorded and they're going to be made available. But if anybody doesn't know about this, because we had a lot of people ask, the way you get into FutureNet is you ask for an invite off a web page. Interesting. So if you go to like vmware.com slash FutureNet, I'm just going to double check real quick. Like three weeks before the event and they announce, hey, you know, it's going to be the last day of VMware, blah, blah, blah. Any customer can request uh, an invite. Employees can also request an invite, but they will not be treated with priority. You know, I got my confirmation at the last minute after talking with Becky Corbis, who's our handler for VXPR and SX. But basically, anybody can get an invite. Just understand that you're giving away your last day of VMware, right? It's 8 to 5 on, on the Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I think I saw something about that to all the NSX SEs basically saying, if you have customers that are interested, share this with them. Uh, yeah. yeah. As far as we realize, you know, I have, I've done nothing. I, that would, someone else will have to do it because it wasn't just my focus. All right, well, we'll have to get Cody on for that. Then. <laughs> That's where we needed him. <clears throat> um, can I talk about V Brownbag though? Sure. Yes. What did what did what, what happened oh, with yes. V Brownbag at VMworld this year? So obviously the tech talks and one thing that I noticed was this year, they had a better, like a more scripted method, meaning that videos were posted very, very quickly. I saw that. Yeah. So when I got on the, on the airplane, I was already downloading some of the videos over to watch it on the plane <clears throat> because they were posted like super quickly. And we had a lot of people that, you know, it's the fact is that there's more and more stages each time at VMworld. The VMworld code stage wasn't even close. It's now in Moscone West, while the V Brownback stage was on Moscone South. And I think even the, the Solution Expo has its own stage now. So there's lot, lots of little stages. The education uh, part has, a, has its own stage as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, V Brownback Tech Talks still remains the, the more community-focused one in the sense that people just send whatever they want to talk about and Alistair more than likely will approve them as, as long as he doesn't see that they're, you know, marketing heavy. 
So you, you always can find a common teeth on. Say what? I was going to say, that's the stage I cut my teeth on. When, when I yeah. could not get a session at VMworld, I did them at the brown bag stage. Um, and I just happened to do my two this year because all five of my regular ones were denied for VMworld, but I did two code sessions instead. Yeah. Um, but still, I, that is one of the greatest resources. And generally, from what I've seen, they are having problems filling all the spots. So if you want to talk about anything tech-related or community-related, um, jump in there, man, because they're looking for people. And that is a great way to begin presenting at VMworld. Yeah. And two things I want to highlight over there is one, we had uh, Ben Clayton, the old uh, VMUG president, mm-hmm. do a session on how VMUG impacted his career, but it was also a history of how VMUG got started. And that was a lot of fun to see. I really recommend you, everyone, to see that one. The other thing that I wanted to highlight is that we use the Brownback Tech Talk stage as a big diversity and, and inclusion uh, stage in VMworld. Uh, I always I'm always involved in at least one or two Spanish-speaking panels in that in, in those. So if you find that you are a minority, if you find that maybe you have a small topic that not a, a, a lot of people are interested in, or you want to get together with, you know, in years past, we've done everybody, every expert or female leader from Africa, for example, that may, they may not know each other. Uh, this is a great way to do it. You just request a panel and you can be able, you're able to actually say, you know, I don't really have a talk, but I want to meet these people for X or Y reason that we never get to see each other. So that's also one great thing. One great way you can use uh, the Rebama Tech Talks. That's awesome. Yeah. And they were all um, live streaming on Twitter too. I noticed this year. Interesting. I didn't even see that. So, th- so they were available as Periscope. Yeah. So, like, if you, like, if you, as long as you were following, you know, V Brown Bag, you know, every time I opened up Twitter during VMworld, there was this little streaming window I could They're click live. on and hit it. Live. Very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Alistair so. at this point in time, man, he's got that down to a science. Yeah. He, I mean, he's always running around, you know, getting everything done. But man, it it is awesome the way that those things get done. Yep, yep. And I, and I actually think other than the actual Monday and Tuesday um, keynotes, that's the only thing at VMworld that's live streamed is the V Brown backstage. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just cut, cut to tape for well, later. Yeah, that's, so, unless you want to watch all the cube interviews. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I, I forgot about the cube. <laughs> I, so I didn't even, like, not once this entire week did I even go into Moscone North. Not once which I hear I missed the massage people and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't even go over there. So I didn't even run into the cube at all. No, but, but it's important, especially as we're heading into VMware Barcelona, you know, lots of people that speak Spanish or maybe some other language. Typically if you request, Hey, I want to do a VMware session, but not in English. You'll get denied. It has to be in English. If it's own visual wow. session. I didn't know that. Be brown, I don't care about that. So you can definitely submit it. Be brown, it's interesting that they wouldn't have, you know, a Spanish track of even just a few sessions in Barcelona. Yeah. Or, or even in, even here. I mean, yeah, I, I, I contrast this with, you know, our, the, in our previous episode to this one, Tony and I talked to Chris Williams and, and he talked about his experience at PyCon where they had you know, an entire Spanish track. They had people doing, mm-hmm. you know, live captioning, you know, for deaf and hard of hearing people or just for everybody yep. in general on a separate screen. And they had just like all of this stuff. Like if you could think of some way of them, including something, it was there. And I realize it's a smaller conference. That's awesome. 
but but still it's just like you know i think this is sort of the world we're in now where we sort of have to try it even just a tiny bit you know to make allowances here and there to make things more accessible to people especially if we want to grow our industry yeah, and I will say, though, in our defense, um, even though the optics at VMworld for that look bad, um, internally, um, our diversity and inclusion programs at VMware are second to no other company that right. I've ever worked at. Um, it, it is insane the amount of support we have for all the different groups internally. Um, it, it, it makes sense that you would think that we would have them at VMworld, and I'm sure there's been people that have asked about it and stuff like that. Um, but... You know, if you're judging us based on that, it's not the same thing. Right. Right. Have, have we guys talked about the hackathon? No, we did not talk about the hackathon. No. So I'll, I'll preface this with saying that I felt the hackathon was less attended this year than other years. Interesting. Yeah. I, I honestly found that a bit discouraging uh, because the hackathon has always been like a very cool event that you get to you know, sit down and actually learn something by doing instead of just hearing someone, right? Yeah. However, we did have four teams. Uh, the biggest team was 12 people. The smallest team was, I think, four people. And, you know, there was prizes and there was food and there was booze. And honestly, it was, it's always a great time. Mm-hmm. We make it very welcoming to others that, you know, in, in my case, I was the leader self-promotion, right? Let's talk about the hackathon because I was a leader. Uh, I was a leader for the Ansible team. And one thing we did there was we, we were very clear about telling people that you didn't need, need to know anything for showing up to that team. Right. So out of, the, out of the people that we got, a bunch of them did not have a GitHub account. A bunch of them had never logged into Slack. And, you know, the first hour was that, just getting them to commit something to GitHub so that everybody would show up as a contributor. Yeah. And, and the rest of the, of, the, of the hack was, you know, getting Ansible examples up there. But, you know, the, the winning team was just insiders uh, with PowerCLI. They were showing some really advanced PowerCLI, like CICD things. And I know that everybody that showed up to that team learned something because it was Luke and, and just mm-hmm. insider teaching everybody else. Yeah. So they're always phenomenal events. I encourage them all the time, but I really feel that this time it was, it wasn't as, uh, as important, I guess, to attendees. Because last year, not this year, last year, we had a great turnout. Oh, man, there was and like 200 people there. Yeah. And this year we had like the last 40. two years. Yeah. So I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared that next year they'll say, you know what? People didn't really attend. We're not going to do it anymore. But well, yeah, I mean, that, I had a great time. Well, uh, one thing that did, it really didn't help was that we had a lot of parties right between. Oh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, like there was three things going on all at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, the people that selected to go to the hackathon, well, that's 7 to 12 on Monday, which was, uh, I think, a rubric and some, some other else party. So, yeah, yeah that could be. It's, 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 a, it's definitely be a scheduling problem then. Because, like, the, the hackathon is how I met Cody D'Arkland. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's... You know, and it, I can't remember if we used to do it on Sundays or what, but you know, Monday night is rough. <laughs> I, I can't remember when 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 it was in Vegas either, but I thought it was like, to you know, Tuesday night or something like that. It wasn't like the first night for sure. But but yeah, if you're competing against you know whatever big name headliner rubric or cohesity is bringing out, that's going to be, you know. 
I want to say it was Wu Tang Clan for Rubric that they were going against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So I want to wrap this up because we're we're way over here. But Ariel, I'm going to see you soon up at the Super V Mug for the North Central Wisconsin V Mug. Um, and we have a lot of listeners from the Wisconsin area. So can, if, if anybody's on the fence about attending this V Mug in Eau Claire, um, what what are you going to talk about and what, what, why should people attend this Super V-Mug? Well, it basically will change their careers. So I would, not, <laughs> I would not miss out on that. Go to this V-Mug and five years later, you could be working for VMware. That's right. <laughs> Three years. How, how long did it take you, uh, Britton? Oh, it took a long time. But that's not, I, 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 I never, I, in my defense, I never had the goal of working for VMware. So it just we got you anyways. Yeah, it, uh, like I said, I I honestly I blame Amy Lewis because you know it was her getting me to do the NSX roving reporter thing last year that gave me this like insider's view of what it would be like to work with this team of people, and and that's what sold me. So that that's that's it. But, but yeah, just make sure you attend. That's all I'm going to say. You, right. you should, if you don't know why you should attend, then you might just not want to go and stay as you are. And if for no other reason, go there because Ariel's presenting and I'm presenting on something and, you know, let's do it. So, all right. Has my audio freaked out on you guys yet? Does it still sound okay? Can you hear me? What? Okay. Um, I'm having audio problems right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little latency. I don't know if that's just me or yeah. It's I thought I heard something too, so it's probably. Dean, I heard Daniel really well, but now I can't hear you at all. Yeah, it's it's doing it again on this man. Okay, I heard Tim well. I heard Daniel well. I just okay. quit for some reason. So <laughs> it's I a just, process elimination. I just so. switched, I just switched the microphone on my Mac. Can you hear me better now? Oh yeah, yeah. sound a little farther away. But yeah, you're not a little farther so, away, but no, no longer the spawn of hell. This is yeah, this is what happens. <laughs> this, this used to happen on my other Mac, and now it's happening on this one too. It's a, oh, it's, it's a Mac. It's, it's a, a Mac issue. It's a Mac issue with Zoom. Uh, don't say that. My Mac's going just fine no, right now. It, it's a Mac issue with Zoom when you're recording a session. If he wants to, once you're recording it again, it gets over a certain length of time. And you're using an oh. external audio, and you're using an external audio source. All of a sudden, my voice starts siloning, and That's so weird. it's the feedback to you guys. So the siloning. audio feed—that's <laughs> exactly what it was. That's <laughs> phenomenal. I like that. So, yeah. I'm sure the uh, listeners are going to love yeah. that one. So that, that you can be doing some editing. Descriptions I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> What 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 is that? What what is the, what is the name of that show now? I can't think of it off the top of my head. That was Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, yeah, yeah, man. All right, cool. Well, I will. Uh, yeah, that's that's usually our, the queue that we have gone too long because it's you know, nice. Uh, We've been talking for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, thanks again, guys. Um, I'm gonna because of issues and stuff here. I'll record my exit and put and put it in post. So, any final thoughts? No, thank you for having me on, yeah. Britain and Tim. I appreciate it. So, <laughs> yes. it's a pleasure. Tim, the guest yes. co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, we miss you. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, we miss you, Tony. We miss Tony. Yeah. 
again well as i said i said at the beginning ariel it's my fault that tony couldn't be here because i scheduled this at the very last minute so (laughs) oh well but you know all right well hey everybody have a happy labor day weekend and uh tim are you going to smoke something fun on the grill tomorrow I'm probably not uh, just coming off of VMworld and all that. I didn't have any meat prepared or anything like that. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. I'll figure something out this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks guys. Um, don't, don't hang up right away unless you have to go, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll quick cut us out here and Ariel, I'll see you soon. So thanks. Once again, this has been GigaCast episode 31 for Sunday, September 1st, 2019. Thanks again to Tim Davis for filling in for Tony not being here this week. And Daniel Paluzic, again, thanks for joining us. And the uh, the excellent, as always, Ariel Sanchez. Um, we will come back soon, hopefully, with some more stuff. I really want to try to get these out more and, you know, on a more regular basis. And again, if, if anybody's interested in being on the show, you know, hit, hit me up on Twitter. The show's handle is at VGigacast. Um, my Twitter handle personally is at VCIXNV. Tony is at Import Car Guy. Talk to anybody, any one of us. Um, we will, you know, really love to have some people on and even getting some customer perspectives of how things are happening with all the stuff with Kubernetes and everything that's going on. Thanks again to everybody for listening. And uh, we will talk to you all again soon. If you're in Wisconsin, Put it on your calendar to get to the North Central Wisconsin VMUG that's happening. Um, And then, you know, hopefully I'll see you there. Thanks again, everybody.